everybody. This is your girl Pam with 2200 Taps. Y'all, I need you to hang on your seats because we went from baby steps to basically running with this podcast and I don't even know if I can hang on because our guest today really needs no introduction, but I'm going to totally, uh, I'm going to butter her up because you guys get ready for this. She is the New York Times bestselling author, a mom, and wife of the legendary American sniper, Chris Kyle. Taya, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. You did better me up. Not necessary, but it was very nice. Did I do good? You did. You did great. Brownie points. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, so we're doing a Zoom call, you guys. Uh, For those that can't see it, I'm going to be pushing this out on the YouTube channel. So um, you'll be able to see our pretty faces. And uh, welcome to my my house. I'm actually here in my home. I love it. Thank you for inviting me in. Absolutely. You can come anytime you want. Thank you. Um, and I see all the musical stuff in the back there, too. I love it. Oh, for sure. And, and we'll chat it up after because I really I'm hoping to maybe put put a song to this episode. And oh, cool. uh, yeah, we'll go over the logistics after that. This is really special. Okay. So uh, I love to just dive right in. And, um, you know, we met through our our mutual friend, Kara Martin. And she like I met her and she's like, yeah, you know, I'm friends with Taya Kyle. And I'm like, what? Like, how, how can I meet her? How can I just, like, hug on her? Because, uh, you know, cr- people know Chris as the American Sniper, but I've learned to lean on Chris as a brother in arms and really lean on that stuff. And not a lot of people understand that y- you as a mom and a wife are holding down the fort at home. So from the bottom of my heart, can't thank you enough for just knowing that because a military spouse, that's not an easy job. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. I know it's, it's nice to be able to shed some light on the people who are doing it today. Cause I know, like you said, it is a big job and they're oftentimes not seen. So I'm glad that you're recognizing them too. Absolutely. And I didn't deploy overseas, but I know the spouses with, with a bunch of coasties here stateside had it, it was pretty tough. So I can't, I can't even begin to imagine what it was like with deployments, but um, yeah. And I appreciate your service too. You know that, but absolutely. it's worth saying again. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, let's dive right in. The one thing I, I do want to talk about, because I haven't read them yet, and I promise I'm, I'm going to, but your books, your books, you have uh, The American Wife, and you also have The American Spirit. And uh, yeah. I was kind of reading up a little bit about it, but can you kind of help our listeners and even me, like, where did that come from? Where did that stem from? And what were you trying to capture with both books? Yeah. So, and by the way, they're on audio. I read both of them. So if that's more your thing, it's my, I get out of my tractor and I put on an audio book. It's like one of my favorite things to do or sometimes music, but um, I, you know, audio is kind of a good way for me to do things when you're busy and driving around and probably a little ADD or whatever. That's, that's me. Um, So yeah. So American wife was really American sniper had come out and it was, something that people were um, certainly hungry for and Chris had been killed and there was more attention and more need to know about the family. There wasn't enough. And and it was really Chris's genius to put it in there in the first place, the family side. And I wasn't sure about it, but I'm really glad that I followed his lead on that. And so the publisher was saying, we'd like to get it done. And I said, there's just no way. We had legal battles that it started before Chris was killed. They had continued and we had 
grief and the movie, the rough draft for the movie was turned in the day before he was killed. And there was just so many things. Um, I was trying to make a living. And so I thought there's just no way I can do this right now. And they said, if you just talk to Jim who wrote American sniper, he'll put it all on paper, just talk to him. And I said, okay. And so I basically emotionally vomited on him for months. <laughs> and then, um, you know, he did, he got it on paper and he calls it a, a journey of, um, taking fear into faith. And I think that really says it really well. And as I went through that book process, book tour, speaking tour, I was meeting so many people who were opening up to me and telling me not only about the difficult things, but about these amazing things that were coming out of their tough time. So mm-hmm. I wanted, it was so inspiring to me that I felt like I should not be keeping it to myself. So I talked to Jim and said, we've got to be able to do something with this because it's a shame to just have it end with me that I hear these stories. I I need to share them. And of course, good news doesn't typically sell very well, Mm -hmm. but I, you know, we, we wanted to put it out there and in hopes that the people who needed it and wanted it would find it. So it's profiles in resilience, courage, and faith. And there are 30 stories in there about people who, and it's all ages, all different backgrounds and different issues that they took on to do better for the world. So I love it. It, to me, it's really inspiring. My kids were inspired by it. And, and I always thought, you know, if it helps one person, then that's good. And it's helps a lot more than that. And to me, that's just a, a blessing and an honor that God would let me be kind of a conduit to get it out. So those are the two so far. That's amazing. Now, let me back up. Did you say when you get out of your tractor? I did. Oh I my, love my I caught that. I, oh, God, I love this thing. It's so funny. I just did it this morning before the sun came up and yesterday before. Because here's the deal. I have a very big, you know, sort of yard to mow, but it's like, you know, acreage. And so I started with this little tractor and I was white knuckling it and I was so nervous. I'd never done it before. I was like scared and and it's after Chris had died. So I was pissed that I was scared and, you know, all this stuff. And then I learned to drive it. And then I upgraded to this bat wing that like comes down like this. Like and it John just, Deere? I, well, it is a Kubota. So there's like the John Deere uh, people yep. and then there's the Kubota people. And I guess I ended up in the Kubota family, but um, <laughs> so yeah, I just get out and um, it's the most peaceful time out there. And it, and it looks so nice when you have everything mowed and, um, so yeah, it's, and I was, it was out of commission for a little bit because a tire went flat and it's not a big, it's not an easy thing to yeah. change a tractor tire. So anyway, um, I'm, I'm happy to be back on it. That's so awesome. I just had to, I, I caught that. I'm like, wait, did she see her tractor? Cause I, I mean, did. you are, you are in Texas. So, I mean, that makes total yeah. sense and that's what we yeah. do. <laughs> yeah, so. exactly. We get out with most stuff. Exactly. <laughs> I love that. Well, yeah. cool. So I, I'm really interested in, and it was kind of hard cause I was kind of digging through like what questions to ask. And I feel like everybody's already asked you the same questions and I'm like, well, how am I going to do this? So, um, uh, we're just going to go with this next one. Cause I'm personally interested. Okay. Uh, when it was time to shoot the film American sniper, what was your role in that? And, and what was that like for you to work side by side with Bradley Cooper and Sienna and, 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 and just Clint Eastwood, like all these guys to make sure that it was captured in the most authentic and, you know, intimate way, because a lot of this was a lot of intimate stuff that not many people would have known. So what was that like for you? 
So the rough draft was turned in the day before Chris was killed. Mm-hmm. And with that, you know, he, he died and the screenwriter, Jason Hall flew out and Chris and I met him a bit earlier. And so I already had a connection with him and we just started talking all the time about the movie and life and, you know, bless his heart. His wife was so gracious because we'd be on the phone. Sometimes I'd be working all day on projects and things and then getting the kids um, where they felt comfortable to fall asleep. And then we would talk into the evening or the day or just whenever I could, could fit it in. And so he was very flexible with that. But I say all of that because it was this awful time of grief. I mean, he was there, you know, the day after Chris was killed. And so we, you know, we had, we formed this bond of reliving and grieving all at once. And so he really did the whole script. And when we turned it in, I talked to a number of people who felt like, and Bradley and Sienna, Clint, they felt it was, it'd be more difficult for them to play real people with the real people watching hmm. than to really be able to become those characters without the real people watching. And that makes a lot of sense to me because, you know, if you're going to be someone, you can't see the real person there or you can't embody that. Right. You know what I mean? It, it almost brings you back to the reality that you're trying not to live in. So I wasn't there and they did invite me um, to the last day of filming and my son was in second grade and he won the spelling bee for his class. And then after you win the class, you compete at the grade level. And so the last day of filming, he was in the grade level competition. And I'm like, I mean, I'm not missing it, man. So, uh, and he won, which was amazing. So I'm so glad I didn't miss it. It was super fun. And uh, so I never did go on the set, but um, I did, Bradley and Clint did fly out and they uh, came to our house and, uh, you know, walked around and kind of got a feel for Chris and spent the night, came back the next day. Um, Sienna, I visited with a few times in Los Angeles, or maybe it was just once, actually. It might have been just once. I mean, she's phenomenal. She picked it up pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, and she's lovely. And, you know, I saw her a couple times after. And um, I haven't kept in touch as much as I um, probably in hindsight could have with her because she's lovely. I just, I think she's busy doing stuff and she's got her daughter and I'm busy doing stuff. But uh, she's really a great, a great person. And I, um, and then of course she did a couple more movies, a couple more, maybe one or two more movies with Bradley. So that was cool. And then Bradley and Clint have stayed, you know, close. And so I, I love that that brought a lot of good people together. Yeah. I'm just, I, you know, and I, I came across an interview and it was just like, they captured like Bradley, he captured him. So yeah. was that very like cathartic for you to see him and like, man, this is, this is Chris. Was that ever like a thought or was, was- it kind of? Yeah, I was really glad that it was Bradley who did it. He was very good at it. And he really was able to get in a place spiritually where he could really absorb anything around him. And I feel like that was hugely important. And he did it so much that, you know, he wore, you know, the same shoes as Chris and did like, he just, he really got into it and and tried to get into, well, his shoes, literally. (laughs) Um, And I think that it, there's nobody that could have done a better job. And, you know, he even did an accent, which is something that actors really are kind of told not to do. Sienna did too. She's British and she did my weird mix of different oh, wow. places. I've 
Yeah, uh, the accent that's kind of a mix. So they did a phenomenal job. And the, and the thing it was most focused on during the movie was did they capture Chris? And they did. The only thing you can't get in the movie or the book because there just isn't time is his humor. Oh my gosh, he always had a twinkle in his eye and he was always up to no good in some way or another. You know, it was like, he was good, 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 good. And then he was up to this mischievous, you know, youthful side of him that's super fun. So, it, you know, that would have been great, but it just, you know, you're not, you're not redoing his life. You're picking out pieces and it just so, so that wasn't the part of either one of them really, but. Yeah, that's cool to hear that, that he still maintained like his his little boy innocence in a yes. way. That's really yes. cool. I, I mean, yeah, I don't think we could have survived without that youthfulness and the laughter and, um, you know, giving each other crap. And it, that's like how you feel normal, you yeah. know, and if you're ever in a place where people can't laugh with you, I feel like it's terrifying because that must mean, you know, I could be at rock bottom and if you can make me laugh, it helps. And people can, because there's really nothing off limits, you know, I'll laugh at anything. So for me, it helps people realize that they're going to be okay. I mean, I've had fr a friend in a panic attack, you know, and I may just made her laugh because I think that remind it bring it snaps you back to, Oh wait, I am going to be okay. Yeah. You know? Um, or sometimes, you know, my kids are crying. I acknowledge it, of course, and we talk about it, but then I try to make them laugh in the middle of it. We can get right back to crying, but in some ways it alleviates that heaviness that, yeah. you know, you can feel like you're never going to get out of it. Oh, man. Well, I can definitely identify with that. I love humor. Yeah. I have to laugh. It just, it just does the soul so good. So it does. Yeah. I heard a one woman say that it's she, so she did this thing where, um, she supported clowns, you know, and as she said, before Hollywood made clowns awful, she said, they really do great things. And she said, you know, the best thing about a clown is he's the lowest person in the room, he or she, right? So what that does, it elevates everybody else immediately, mm. which I thought was interesting. I never thought about that. And there is sort of a self-deprecating part of humor that is comforting for other people because uh, you're not competing for like a, you know, a top spot and, I, I like that in life. And uh, anyway, she said that laughter is like a massage for the internal organs. Oh, like, pretty cool, right? I like that. Yeah, I because love, it is for the soul too. I love massages. Yeah, see? Yeah, you <laughs> I'm like to totally hang on to that one. Yeah, internal, external, all the, all the massages. <laughs> Oh, man. So I actually um, one thing I wanted to talk about because it was really uh, it was kind of funny when I when I got to hear you speak at the Marine reunion just a few weeks back or last month, you know, you talked about how you met Chris. And um, if you've seen the movie, it was the bar scene and you met him at a bar and, and all that fun stuff. But what was really hilarious to me was when you said the proposal, like y'all were fighting yeah. over who proposed to who. Can, yeah. Can you share yeah. that again? Because I think I think. I don't think I've ever heard that in an interview, but to hear that, I was literally getting a massage on the inside, if you will. Yeah, <laughs> I was laughing so exactly. hard. Yeah, it was just it was just silly because, you know, he we were driving to Oregon and to visit my parents, and he said something, and for whatever reason, I just kind of got my back up, like, hmm. you know, like I don't know what it was, but and he said, "What's going on?" And he was the kindest person like he was so good and I just didn't want to snap at him you know and so it was going to take me a minute to think about something which is rare for me usually I, you know especially at that age I was like 
never short on words and I'd fire back if something, you know, hurt my feelings. But <laughs> I had this moment of maturity apparently in the car where I said, let me think about that. And so as I was, we were driving, I was, remember looking out the window and I said, okay, here it is. I am, I think I was 25 years old and I had already been through this process where I wanted to be single and I felt like God was telling me I wasn't meant to go alone. And so it was a very different place for me to be in where I was like, well, I kind of felt like God told me I, I had to find someone, you know what I mean? And that, so that was a weird place to be. So I had to think about it. And I said, I'm not looking just to date somebody and I don't want to know. I mean, I'm not asking you to know now we'd only been together maybe, you know, three or four months, but I need to know that you haven't counted me out for a long-term potential. So I just need to know that there's a possibility that you could feel that way at some point. And he said, Oh, well, the way I feel about you, there isn't a day in my life I wouldn't want to spend without you. Hmm. And I went, Oh, right. <laughs> Good man. And, all sudden, I was like, and what I heard was he wants to marry me. He wants to spend the rest of his life with me. Right. And, and guys are like, um, no, no, not at all. What he said, but women are usually like, yeah, yeah, that's what he said. Right. That's literally what he said. No. Okay. So there was like a, you know, um, men are from Mars, women are for Venus mm-hmm. moment. So, but I just kind of assumed that. And so off we go and we go to my parents had a good time and the drive was super fun. And, so we get back and I think it was like maybe a month later and 9-11, I'm trying to think of it. I guess it had just happened or something. And I said, so I have this crazy idea. And he was like, yeah. And then I thought, what the, what am I doing? And I was like, never mind. No, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to take that right on back. And he said, no, what, what? And I said, oh, I was just thinking, why don't we get married? Cause I figured he basically already said it before. So why don't we just do it? Right. And he's like, Oh, and I was like, Oh, I want to get off the phone. I mean, and he's like, wait, I was like, no, no, I want to get off the phone. Right. And I just was like, Oh, I'm so mortified. And so, um, and so then I was going to see him the next day. I drove, I was living in long beach at the time, California, and he was in California and so, or uh, San Diego, California. So I drove down to see him and we were on the four Oh five freeway down there and we were driving and he goes, so do you want to talk about that thing? And I was like, that thing? And he's like, you know, that thing you said on the phone the other day. And I was like, oh, the thing. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. And I said, I don't mean, I don't know. Do you like, you mean getting married? And he's like, yeah, do you want to? And I was like, well, I mean, yeah, if you do, do you want to? You know, and he was like, yeah. And I said, okay. And he goes, so are, are we engaged? I was like, well, I, I think so. And he's like, well, I got to call your dad. I got to get you a ring. Right. <laughs> and so um, it was hilarious. But the, but the thing is, he would always say, that is not how it went down to That is. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's how it went down that day in the car. And he's like, no, he's not. And so I don't know what, I wish I, I remembered what he said went down, but that is how I remember it. And then he goes, he said, you asked me to marry you. I'm like, no, I didn't you sit in the car he was there today and then I just said well let's do it and then it was like a you know so um and then he always said that I robbed him of the chance to properly propose because he would have done something romantic and I believe him because he was a romantic guy you know he'd bring roses home and do all this stuff so um anyway it it is kind of funny because it's like the most awkward you know marriage proposal (laughs) thing but you know we were married a few months later and and so that was that you know what that reminds me of? That kind of reminds me of my, my grandparents because they kept fighting on the day they got married. One would say oh. December 9th. One would say December 10th. And 
we're just like, really? Like, y'all don't even remember yeah. the day y'all got married? And my grandpa was a World War II Korean War vet. So who knows oh, what wow. happened back then? Yeah. But your yeah. story reminds me of that. Just, But yours is a lot more funnier. <laughs> well, yeah. But you know, it is funny, too, because I'm awful with dates. I'm notoriously awful with dates. And so we got married... I think it was the day after St. Patrick's Day, right? I think I'm looking around going, God. Um, and he always knew. Was, I think it's March 17th. But now I have to look and go, is it March 16th or 17th? It's, whatever day isn't St. Patrick's Day of those is what day we got married. And he'd be like, I can't believe you don't remember that. And I'm like, but I do remember. I Basically, I remember. It's basically the same thing. It's like, it's not the same thing. You know, it's a different day. I'm like, yeah, but basically it's the oh, same. Man, it'd be a fly on the wall for those conversations. Right. Yeah. So funny. funny. Well, thank you. That was awesome. I like, that's just a, I don't know. I don't know if it's a guy thing or it's a military thing or, or I have no idea, but I like your story better. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. I know it's funny. It's, it is funny because, uh, you know, we would look at each other very often and he'd be like, you're, that's not it. I'm pretty sure that's it. Like our memories, you know, would be like sort of different about things, but at the same time, they were close enough, and he did remember details really well, and I sometimes don't. And so I would more or less just be like, nah, just just to poke the bear, you know what I mean? Just to get under his skin a little bit and be like, oh, not really. When really, I probably knew if one of us had it right, it was probably him, you know what I mean? But- it was just because I would watch him go, but that's not, but that's not it. Like it literally didn't happen that way. And I'm like, eh, it basically did. That's right? awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So we'll, we'll fast forward. So you on, y'all got married and uh, then came the deployments. So, yes. and we know he had multiple deployments and um, there was one thing you said again at the reunion that really uh, I embraced it and I use it till this day. And uh, it's, you know, you said, you know, it isn't me until it's me. Yeah. You know, and I, I hung on to that because, I mean, I have anxiety, I have all this stuff and sometimes paranoia around certain things. And I'm like, wait a minute, yeah. what what did she say? And it's been able to help yeah. me calm down. Um, yeah, I know. I'm serious. I'm like, I can totally just thank you for that. And oh, um, thank God for that, because it, I always pray that he'll speak through me. So oh, for sure that that he wanted to give that message to that day because you know I don't always say that but yeah yeah and my, and my mom suffers from anxiety has to take medication but I don't even think I told her this but I'll tell her that and I have a feeling it might yeah. help her um, yeah it's, you know I've heard so one of the things I know for sure is that fear is of the enemy right mm-hmm. not the gut feeling here on the back of your neck we got to stay we got to listen to that that's right. for sure but I've heard that depression is looking backward yeah and anxiety is looking forward, right? And there are all these places in the Bible where it says, stay present, easier said than done, right? But I heard this other one that I was in your shoes, I guess. I was listening to one of our facilitators at a foundation retreat. You know, we do work for marriages. And he said, be where your feet are. Ooh. So think about that, man. be where your feet are, right? I was like, you know what? Be where your feet are. That means I'm not thinking about yesterday. And I'm not thinking about tomorrow. I'm thinking about being right here with you right now. And that's what God tells us to do. So much so that um, for a while, my mantra was focused on daily bread. Mm-hmm. And God said, don't save up today's bread for tomorrow. Like give us this day our daily bread in the Lord's prayer. He's talking about the daily manna. I will provide you with the food you need each day. And, and I think it's spiritual food, emotional food, energy. And so 
for your mom too. And I have a lot of compassion for this because I grew up with my grandfather, very anxious, my mom, very anxious, yeah. you know, and it's, and, and that's why anxiety and depression go together a lot. Right. Yeah. And because life is screwy and it's going to jack you up and it's going to knock you sideways and it's going to take the rug out from under. Right. Mm-hmm. We know this, but the freedom from it is that it's okay when all those things happen because every single time God's there and he already has a plan to get you out of it and he already has a plan to get you through it. And so the more that I've been hit, which is kind of interesting, right? The more free I feel. And maybe, which I never thought of before, maybe it's like a boxer, right? I look at boxers in the ring and I go, why would you do that? <laughs> why would you get in that ring? You know what I mean? Yeah. But maybe it's because I've t- they're probably like, I've taken a punch. You look at it, Taya, and you think his eye is getting this big and he's like, I've, I've taken that before. It's not that big a deal. Mm-hmm. And I... So I imagine that's sort of what the emotional journey of anxiety and depression, you know, maybe it's like once we get hit enough, well, there's chemical too, right? Yeah. I mean, there can be chemical imbalances that we have to deal with chemically for sure. Um, but I do think there's something to be said for that for me with faith. And, you know, so what you said that day was until it's me, it's not me. And, and really it was the only way to be with my kids, be where my feet are and have joy with them. And not be afraid that Chris was going to die. Not be afraid what happens when they don't have a father. What happens when I don't have a husband? And what if, what if, what if? All these things that I don't have any control over. So it was like, well, then I'm just going to say it's not him. And until they tell me it's him, it's not him. I'm going to live every day knowing that he's alive and he's well. And if somebody shows up my door and tells me he's not, then it begins, right? But there's nothing I can do to make it better. There's nothing I can do to make it go away. And, you know, there was nothing we could do to prevent Chris's death the day he died. And I'm so glad that I didn't spend that time being anxious before he was killed, that I spent the time being where my feet are. I spent my time enjoying him. Being present. That's that's the biggest gift. And, and that's what I was going to actually ask, you know, how home life was for you during his deployments, you know, with the kids yeah. and did a change or how that have what that looked like for you? Yeah, it was really interesting because it changed every single time. The first time I was single, no kids. Second time, first son. Um, third time, I, try, I get some kind of mixed up. I think it was third time. Maybe it was just my son again. And then my daughter was the last one when I had two. And so, and then there were some, you know, those are the on the books deployments and then there's the other stuff and there's the training Mm -hmm. stuff and all the others in between. And so it was pretty constant. Um, but I find that it always changes and that's why it's, it's the same with any service job, right? You change when you're serving and the person at home is changing just, just because you're changing, just because you're growing as people and you're having different experiences and then relationship dynamic is changing. And it's just, there is no way to, uh, there's no way to predict or get in a routine where your deployments are routine. They're, they're just not, they never are. So I think your adaptability has to be, you know, you get, you start to develop a good sense of adaptability, I guess. Yeah. And I would, I'd imagine too, as a Navy SEAL, because those guys, there's a lot of stuff that we don't know. Yeah. You just know that they yeah. got to go to work yep. and, and they're not going to yep. tell you where they're going, how long, none of that. It's just, right. I'll see you when I see you. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's just, it, it blows my mind. And, and to think of it in that capacity too, going back to, you know, being the, the one holding down the forward at home, that that's just incredible. I, my heart again to you, cause I don't know if I could do it and I understand a little bit of it. Yeah. And I'd be like, I don't, well, know, I don't know that I could be, 
I don't know that I could be in the Coast Guard or anything else either. <laughs> it's different life. It is different life, but it's. I'm so glad to hear that he had such an, a wonderful wife and family back home that he knew he can come home to and be safe with. You know. Thank you. It's, it's really good I appreciate to hear that. It. Of course. And yeah. Thank you. I mean, I was far from perfect. You know, there's a lot of things that I wish I had known sooner, so I could have been better. And mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons why we have our foundation for military and service marriages, because I think a lot of people are, if you just tell them how they can do it differently, they will. Mm-hmm. The hard part is you don't freaking know what to do differently. And you're like, I'll do anything. Just tell me. And it, and you don't know because military marriages are just different. Yeah. You just are. And, and same with, you know, first responder marriages, they're different than the civilian population. So who are you going to go to for help? Yep. And you're not going to go to the people that you serve with because they're either going through the same things or you don't want them to tell the command that you're having a hard time because there's yes. this whole like, mm-hmm. right? There's this whole thing in the military. Oh, stigma. sure. Get help. Yeah. But, oh yeah. It's not, it's, that's your career. And it's like every, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and they say it's not, but everybody knows that that's not the case. It's not you the know? case. I mean, and, yeah. and, and, and aside, and I'm going to kind of sidetrack just for a second. Cause I was talking to, uh, Dan Lombardo, who's a CEO, uh, CEO of, uh, excuse me, chairman of the board for 22 kill. And yep. I, I interviewed him. I'm like, Dan, how do we do this for the guys that have like above top secret clearances who can't say any of this stuff? Like, how do we yeah. have them help? And yeah. and it all came back to it's got to come back to the command. You know, it's got to come back to the command, the safe place. Yep. And uh, so, yeah, it's just it's it's a catch 22 because it's like, hey, we're here for you. But if you're mentally unstable, bye bye. Yeah. Yep. And the catch 22, the, the, the other part of that is it's up to the command. Well, then it depends on who's the commanding officer. Mm -hmm. The whole dynamic is different depending on the human being in that position. And even if the human being is telling you one thing, big government's different and they're not guaranteed to stay in that position. So there's a whole mentality behind it. I do think that it's worth getting, you know, risking it to get help no matter what you've got to go get help. And I think there are more organizations now who recognize that and are giving people um, suicide prevention help with anonymity. And, but I don't think I, I am a firm, firm believer that the answer is just not in the same bureaucracy that you got the problem. in. It, It just doesn't work that way. I mean, do it if, if that's your your only hope do it for sure absolutely because there's hope there get it it doesn't matter the cost don't kill yourself get the help right um, and the more we in the private sector can provide that help the better but um it's a it's a brutal world the cia actually has this philosophy from the top down i don't know if the guys on the ground believe it but their thing is we celebrate your physical fitness so why wouldn't we celebrate your mental fitness? If you go to the gym to break it down and build back up physically, why wouldn't we do the same thing when we see you go in mentally to break it down and build back up? We should, and we should consider it, you know, this force readiness thing. And so that's what they're trying to say. But again, I, I hope that it sticks because that's the way it ought to be. That's the truth. Yeah. We all need a time to, to tune up mentally and spiritually and emotionally. It's unrealistic to think that we're not going to need that. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, that's the whole purpose of this podcast is to bring on people that have gone through some serious stuff, but how they've been yep. able to overcome it. Because if, if people isolate and they can't, they're not comfortable getting help or talking to somebody, Hey, listen to the show, listen to an episode. You're going to, you're not alone. Not alone. Not and there's alone. always hope. That, that's the thing for me with God. Truly, the more that came on my shoulders, 
the more I realized, and I know, you know, I think, you know, faith is something where you grow into it and you start to see God actually is very intimate in your life. Absolutely. And he's very detailed in the beginning. Sometimes you go, is he going to do this though? Or does he care about that? Or am I worthy of this or that? And I think the more you give him a chance, the more he has the opportunity to show off for you, you know, and say, yes, yes, I am. And I do love you. And the more negative things that have come my way, the more I've been able to say, but God knows me and that's enough. And, and he truly knows me because I've reached out and said, please come in. You know what I mean? Like this, just change me, help me. And he loves to do that. So at, at that point, I mean, he knows us anyway, without us inviting him in, but when we invite him in, at least we have the knowledge of it. So when we feel lonely, when we feel like there's no hope that goes out the window, there's always hope and somebody always knows you and it's God. And, and truly you can lean into that. It sounds, if you haven't experienced it, it sounds like, you know, unicorns and rainbows, yeah. but you just have to experience it once to know it. Oh yeah. And I love what you said. Cause I say it too, is, you know, I, he, he shows off. If you're really yeah. listening and you're watching, like he will show up and show off. And it is, yes. the, it's the coolest thing ever. And it's yes, just a, it's, I totally agree. I've seen it happen to me a few weeks ago with something that happened in the studio. I'm like, oh, this is going to be big. This is going to be good. But that's awesome. Do yeah. you want to tell the story? Uh, are you okay with me telling it? Yeah, tell me. Okay, cool. So I was, uh, I have a, there's a, an instructor at the school that I go to at Media Tech Institute. He's also, you know, he's a big producer, songwriter, beat maker. And last year I was able to put some guitar on a song and it was going to be for a movie and it got finished, but I, I hadn't heard anything of it. So I didn't hear the song for about a year. And the other day or a few weeks ago, something just told me to play it again. And I had it on repeat. I'm like, Ooh, this is hitting a little differently. This is really yeah. good. I get to the school and the same instructor, he's working on like editing a movie. And I'm like, dude, is that the movie? He's like, yeah, check this out. And then he, he put it on a clip and it was our song on, on part of the movie clip. I like, Whoa. I buckled at my knees. I'm like, dude, I was just listening to it on repeat. And oh my God. yeah. And the director was there. And uh, when everybody left, he told me uh, that he's almost done editing it and they're going to pitch it to a, a major, you know, network. Yay, I'm like, so cool. dude, yeah, so it's just cool. But how the song came about is really special. And that was a total God thing because it yeah. was all done on a MIDI keyboard, all the electronic instruments and just people that played certain instruments kept, hey, do you want drums? I'll lay down drums. Hey, do you want this? And then I came in. I'm like, hey, you want some guitar? So yeah. we were able to organically replace most of the electronic instruments with real instruments without wow. without that even being the original intention and yep. uh it's just it's so cool and i love music i love being a part of it's like a baby i i, I keep telling people making music is like having a baby yeah you don't know what it's gonna look like at the end but you know it's gonna be beautiful yes and, that's so cool you know? and like what you said about how god already knew that he was gonna use this track in this movie right and so you guys all show up and then he's like you know, sending the guitar, sending the drums, sending yeah. this. And you guys are like, what, what, what? It's, yeah. That's the adventure of God. That's the the miracle and the excitement of watching him. I, you know, and it's, so it's cool. interesting. We're so talking cool. about movies because lately I think, I feel like God is this conductor, right? And, and he's writing this symphony and he's, you know, just, it's like this beautiful song that he's like pulling all these mixes in together. And then you, you, you feel like you're living this, um, I guess symphony is the way I would say it, but like, he's just this amazing conductor that 
has more instruments and melodies and notes than mm-hmm. any of us can imagine. And I can't wait to get to heaven because we're going to be playing a lot of music up there. <laughs> oh, gosh, yes. I know. I just finished this book called Imagine Heaven. Have you heard of it? Mm-mm. I highly recommend it. It was It's about near-death experiences. Uh, but the guy does it in a way that he wasn't really sure about people saying they had near-death experiences. And so he really took a scientific approach and broke it down and was very selective about um, – kind of discounting certain um, people for certain reasons, just so that he could try to make sure he had the most pure data that was the best chance we have of having it unaltered for any reason, like wanting to just tell a story or, you know, wanting to be a part of something or whatever. And it's so fascinating how many accounts are the same and they don't know each other and they don't know anything about it. Right. And they, and one person has a little bit of something that was maybe in the Bible and another person, but you put it together and it's like this big mosaic of, of what heaven is. And some of them that weren't in scripture at all, totally align, which kind of tells you, I mean, there's no other way that they could have perfectly aligned it. And what are the chances of people that don't know each other have never heard of it? You know I mean? It just, it's, it's pretty fascinating. Um, and it talks about some that weren't so positive experiences. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's just neat. I, I recommend it. I, I'm going to, I love audiobooks, So I'm going to totally be listening to that. That's yeah. I'm not a big fan of the narrator on that one. I will say that that really? was a little bit. Yeah. I, yes. But with all due respect, but it was worth it. I still did it on audio and was like addicted to it. So hmm. who cares? Yeah, the material so good. You got to do it. Audio. I never read the book physically i just did audio so that's so cool i'm do totally it. gonna do that i'm totally thank you good. for that do it. Yeah. let me know what you think about it yeah for sure i might even narrate it myself if he's that bad i might just have to redo it myself <laughs> and push it, it out that way <laughs> yeah exactly i don't know what the author says about that but i don't know copyright laws or whatever but i know copyright <laughs> we'll figure it out <laughs> yeah figure it out i'm down call the author and be like yeah bro can i just no. Come on. We just have a chance at this. We'll have two different, you know. You need that, um, you need that female delivery too because you need that compassion. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think the thing is sometimes, I mean, I, I love doing the audio books and, and I realize that there's artistic creative license with it. And yeah. um, I, under, I appreciate and understand the desire to do different voices Mm -hmm. for different people in the book. I just don't know that it was necessary all the time, especially if they don't, you know, like Harry Potter books, they could do that. And the the guy that did the narration is like ridiculous. Every character sounded totally like a different person. And, you know, but when it's like, Taya trying to go high voice and Taya trying to go low, you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, maybe Taya shouldn't do that. You know, maybe leave it to the other people. (laughs) Well, if ever you want to do any kind of voiceover work, let me know. I can totally. Oh, I love it. We could set it up. Oh yeah. I I absolutely love it. I would, I, I, being in a studio like that where it's just soundproof and it's just you and a hot, you know, cup of tea and you're just reading something. Oh yeah. Oh, we got, well, next time you're up my way, we got to get you out to the school so you can see the the studio. Yeah. I would love to. It's it's a amazing history. And I'll tell you more about that after the, after this interview. Okay, Um, cool. But I'm so happy. Oh, I'm getting so excited. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to rein it back in. Uh, that's okay. some good stuff. I think somebody needed to hear all that for sure. I hope so. I, think, I hope so. I yeah. believe so. Uh, yeah. So where do we live off? I had to put some sticky notes so I don't lose my place. Okay. Yeah. So, so when Chris passed away, how did you, how were you able to handle 
all that. You know, it was it was an untimely death. He got he passed away here stateside. I mean, and it's and it's it's your partner. It's it's the man that you're doing yeah. life with. It's the father of your kids. It's your husband. Yeah. How did you overcome that? Like what? It just I, I yeah. can't even imagine. Yeah, it's and and um and of course our friend Chad was killed with him too, which added yeah. another layer. And um he and Chad's wife and I are very good friends and they had a daughter and it was it the, the only way to say that I got through is the grace of God because and people God sent a lot of really amazing people around us. We really have a great community where I live and friends who showed up and and I think too the beauty in this is that you know, I think of it like an amputation. And mm -hmm. if you're a parent and, and your kid has an amputation, you're going to prepare them ahead of time the best you can, but not all at once. And then you're going to be with them during the amputation and you're going to be with them after. And you're going to show them that there's a lot of life that they need to live. You're going to let them heal first. You're going to let them take it, you know, a little bit at a time. And then, so I, I look at it and I think, well, that's what God did because I saw people living out my worst nightmare. They lost their spouses. And I was able to try to show up and care for them and learn in doing that. I learned about widowhood, um, not intentionally, just by being there. And then through time, I learned about, wow, you know, it's been three years since uh, Ryan died. And yet it feels like yesterday. And, you know, watching this whole, it just all of these things how time morphs, how time is different, how the soul's journey is different from your you know, journey of your feet on the, on the planet. And it's, it was all such a mix so that when Chris died, there's this, this thought that I was like, like, like it's me, my number's up. Right. Like it, it was almost like, I don't know how to describe it other than like, like my number was up. Like it was my, it was my turn almost, you know, not turn. That's not the right word, but like, I'd watched it before and it was like, and now somebody handed it to me and I was like, oh, shit, not me. You know what I mean? Like, no, no, no. And then you also know, okay, I better get tough. I remember in that moment thinking, buckle up, right? Like, you better get strong real freaking fast because this is going to be, you know, it's going to suck for a long time. And, and um, not those words, but kind of that sentiment. And, um, we just, I just kind of got after it and, and I, I tried to outrun it for a long time. Right. Like literally that night I ran out my door, uh, when, um, I tried to take care of my friend, uh, Leanne until her husband was, you know, until we got the notification that he died too. We knew there was another body, but not sure, not confirmed that it was, uh, him. And so as soon as, um, there was nothing else I could do and she had people around her, I looked at my friends who were police officers and I was like, I'm going for a walk. You don't need to come, but I need to get out. Like I need to go. Like I can't stay in this house. And my children were at a friend's house already um, because we didn't know Chris had died. We just knew that something was wrong. And so I called my friend and just said, Hey, can the kids have a sleepover? And, you know, I just got some things to figure out. And, and so I just went out the door and I just, I couldn't walk. I just ran. Like I just sprinted. And um, there's something in that, that feels like it just continued for years. You know, it was a different, it was just like I sprinted for a long, long time on adrenaline and shock and please don't let it stop because I can't sit with this pain, you know, and, and you, the pain comes through every day anyway. And you, you know, I cry all day on and off, but it was like, 
don't stop and let yourself cry. Just let the cry come while you're doing other stuff. Cause if you stop, it's going to swallow you whole. That's kind of how it felt, you know? Um, and then you learn in time to, to try to have the courage to let yourself and it's a long, long journey, long journey. I can, uh, yeah. I mean, and, and people, yeah. people have been able to keep up with you just based on interviews and, uh, yeah. you know, because when it happened and, and the funeral services and all that, I mean, it was like uh, that instant, um, how do I put it? Like becoming famous overnight, but for the yeah. shittiest reason you could imagine. Yeah. You yeah. Know? yeah so, it was very interesting. So people, so people have been able to follow you and, 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 you know, just again, God bless you. And this is just, thank you. It, too. It's I'm speechless. You can't, yeah. Right. You, I know. You can't I, like, how do you, how do you get it? I don't know if I can ask the next question. Cause that's, yeah. that's very real for a lot of people. And, and the running part you know, you're physically and, and you're literally and figuratively running. Yeah. And I yeah. can, yeah. I can totally identify with that running from your pain, running from your demons, running from whatever. But at the end of the day, they're always going to be there until you confront yeah. them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, you have to uh, sit there because that's where the courage is, is that it's not going to swallow you. It feels like it will, but it won't. Right. And I think the other thing is not escaping into alcohol. You know, you mentioned 22 kill and, and almost every one of those suicides is there were some alcohol or drugs involved because so for me, it's like also just you got to resist. Don't do that because it's it, that little bit of judgment that you let go of when you do that changes everything sometimes. So oh, it's trying not to escape into that, right? You can escape into exercise. You can escape into the outdoors and nature conversations. You just, but the escape, the other places, man, those are really dangerous. Yeah. And we, and we often find people try to fill that hole in the heart with something and yep. Again, it's through alcohol or drugs or or, yep. or some sort of addiction, right? Something yep. not that something that's not going to fill it with purity. Yep. So uh, and it's I mean it's understandable, right? Yeah. I totally get it, and I don't and I don't. Um, gosh, I have such compassion for it. I get it. I mean, I smoked cigarettes because I was like, well, I'm not going to do any drugs and I'm not going to drink, and I got to still function. And so it was nicotine, nicotine, nicotine. I didn't like myself doing it. I'm allergic to it, which is comical, you know, and I didn't care. I was like, just I, let me breathe. And it would force me to like, you know what I mean? And and my throat was always feeling like it was closing. So it would force it. And so there, you know, I understand that it's just trying to find the thing that is the least damaging. So how did you, what pulled you through it or what is pulling you through it? If you're still, cause I would imagine you still have your moments um, yeah, not very many it? anymore. Yeah. 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 It's seven and a half years. And I, I do have my moments where I, but it's usually when I'm like going back in time and thinking about something for a particular reason, but I don't typically have those moments. I, what I have now is what would be a cry is just a little bit of a lump in my throat. And I've, I've gotten pretty good at being able to predict what's going to hit when mm -hmm. compartmentalize not take on certain things, you know, just like you get kind of good at it as a, as a puzzle. And then, and then those things that take me by surprise usually just give me like a little bit of a lump and I know how to like, like a Rubik's cube, put it somewhere, you know, oh, nice. and then, and then I can go get it, you know, when it's a, when it's a decent time. And I try to go back. If I get that, I try to just go back and process so that I'm not doing the Rubik's cube and it like grows somewhere, you know? Um, but it's, I really do feel good now. I really, I, I was thinking even just this week, I was like, you know, I feel like 
it's safe to say I'm, I'm healed. You know, I'm healed. It's not, it's never going to go away and it's never perfect, mm-hmm. but it's sort of like that scar and that wound is like, it's sealed up. There's a scar now, but at least it's sealed up and you know, you can rub it and it's not, you know, um, on fire when you do it. I mean, there's a process. So I think that's, um, I think it's, I don't know. I, I, I know I have a little bit emotionally left to do, right? Like I don't date and I don't get in relationships and all that stuff. So clearly there's a spot, right? That's right. not healed, but I'm like, okay. I mean, you know, one thing at a time, people, right? right? Like, star, let's just, let's just leave it there. So I, I suppose if I'm very honest there, there are probably some things that um, there are probably a lot of things, but for day to day, I feel pretty good. That's awesome. That is cool. And there's, and you know, that's just another, it's like, you got to heal from this and then, yeah. and then, then you're, you're going to be able to see a little clearly that, oh, now I got to work on this. Yes. So yes. in, in the, the dating and, and all that stuff, just the thought of it. Yeah. I, I mean, it's yeah. just going to take time. And I mean, you're, yeah. you're a busy mom. I mean, you got your, your kiddos. Yeah. I'm, so, uh, you said you, you were talking about, was it the Chris Kyle frog foundation? Is that still up and running? Yes. And so it is, we're just going through a name change. Okay. So we're changing um, Taya and Chris Kyle Foundation. The okay. big thing is service family strong. Okay. Service strong. Same mission though, same concept yep. of helping. Same thing. Yep. Honoring God and country by serving the, the marriages of those who serve. And by serving the marriages, we serve the, the family. So that it's so cool. Yeah. There's 80% of the service suicides are relationship related. Oh God. I did 80%. not know that. I didn't know yep. that. So, yeah. And, and it's understandable in some ways because there's if you don't know how to fix it and you're desperate to fix it, but you don't have the right tools, you know, and you just, the world is ugly and you want one safe place. It's understandable. The thing is there's always a way out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always a way out. There's always hope and you just have to know it and hang on one more day, one more evolution, one more sunrise, yeah. you know? So you get there. Well, if you need any help, once all that's, you know, finalized, established, let me know. I'll be more than yeah. happy to just any which way capacity. You let me know. I'm, I'm lawyers. Okay. For sure. Thank you. Of course. That's so nice. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we'll do some music stuff. Well, I might know somebody. <laughs> I know. You might know somebody. I might know really somebody good. who knows somebody. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, cool. And I can't wait to hear more stuff that you've done. Oh, uh, it's I'm I'm up and coming for sure. I'm more behind the yeah. scenes. Um, that's what I want to hear. I love I love being behind the scenes and knowing what people behind the scenes are doing. It's interesting. It'll be fun. We're gonna have to get you to the studio so you can get your hands yes. on the board and It'll be good. Yeah. It'll be good. Super fun. Well, cool. Yeah. So I am curious, um, what have you been up to lately? Like with now that the kiddos are older and what does life look like for you now as just a, a mom doing life? Yeah. So we have, we have Warrior Collections, which is uh, a jewelry line. And so Warrior Collections, jewelry blog, and then I've been doing Warrior Talks, which is um, we're just in the process of getting them edited and then we'll have them up on a YouTube channel and on the Warrior Collections website. But they're different um, free well-known people who uh, are talking about their warrior moments and hmm. how they got through. And um, Warrior Collections is about being on mission from God. Like this life is just a mission yeah. and we have to figure out how to keep our faith through it. And then uh, American Wife is still with a studio project. And, um, and so hopefully that'll that'll um be yeah, my little dog just got back from the groomer oh wait did <laughs> they paint her a little short did they yeah. did, did they dye her 
or him? No, him, and they just cut him really short. <gasps> He's <little>. so fluffy. <laughs> He's really, really fluffy. I, I meant to tell him don't do it so God. short, but that's okay. Um, so that's cute. nugget. But uh, anyway, so um, yeah, Rose, I don't even remember what it was. I don't remember what I was saying. The dog comes in. I don't know. The squirrel got me too. Yeah, exactly. Oh, what do I do? It's warrior collections. uh, (laughs) And then, yeah. And then the foundation, um, I volunteer for the foundation, but I run it. So it's like a full-time volunteer job. And then, um, you know, raising my kids and doing sports and life and all that good stuff with them. And then I serve on another board called Triptych that is um, looking at getting better quality um, content for film out there and then American Wife the TV project and then I got a children's book series that I'm trying to get published but I um, haven't been able to put as much energy into it lately because that's awesome all the other things yeah yeah that's so so cool oh that's exciting yeah it's good it's good it keeps me busy Mm -hmm. I'm trying not to be too busy because I don't think that's healthy for people yeah not my best trait I like to be you know I like to be productive but I also don't want to be so spent you know absolutely I, I can identify with that right now because I have had the week from not hell because it's a blessing what I get to do, yeah. but man, I'm just, I need another one of me. I need a clone yeah. for sure. Yep, you do. <laughs> you do. Exactly. Cool. Well, we're almost done, but the last question I wanted to ask you, because um, I ask a lot of my guests, if not all my guests, has music helped you? Has it impacted you or, or helped save your life? And if so, how? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think music is uh, incredible. And I believe there's music in heaven. I believe that our soul is meant to respond to music. And I think we have to be careful what kind of music it's, you know, um, because it really can get into the soul. I think it can be destructive or beautiful like anything else in life. And so I I never used to really listen to Christian music, but I started to a couple of years ago and I had to really search to find the stuff that I liked because a lot of it quite, it just wasn't my, my thing. I just didn't. um, But Zach Williams, I love the way he brings it with uh, Christian music. And we talked about Micah um, Tyler, right? Yeah. Micah Tyler. Micah Tyler, he does uh, acoustic version of different. That's really cool. And Zach Williams does a song, which you, if you don't know it, look it up. Stand up. It's got a great mm. beat. Stand up by Zach Williams. Um, so yeah, there, I just, I do find music is very, very moving and it can take you back in time in a second. Uh, it can speak to you. It can energize you. It can soothe you. It can make you cry. It can make you happy. It can make you want to dance. I mean, if you think about it, there's, there's a, we're all different energy levels and there's yeah. different realms in the, you know, spiritual realm, earthly realm and, and their vibrations and all this stuff. And I feel like music is one of those things. It's like, it does something to your energy level. That's really cool. Cool. Do you have a favorite artist? I don't know. I, you know, I, I don't know actually, because I like so many different songs. Yeah. My music taste is really eclectic. I mean, I like, um, I mean, from back in the day, Emmy Lou Harris and I like uh, Lauren Daigle and um, there, you know, for a while, 10 or 15 years ago, Kenny Chesney music, he's got an old blue chair. One of those I songs. Love that that song. I, right? I love that song. Right. It's very philosophical. And, um, and so I feel like they're, there's a wide range. I only, the only things I don't really dig is I don't heavy metal, not into it. And sometimes classical sadly gets on my nerves a little bit. I wish it didn't, but it sometimes does. So I'm over here trying to hide my shirt as I'm wearing an ACDC shirt. (laughs) 
Well, ACDC, everybody <laughs> loves. That's that's a little bit different. I mean, I'm talking like liquid metal, you know, that I'm just like, oh, but yeah. ACDC, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd be so uncool if I didn't like a little ACDC. Right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Plus, it's just hip to be wearing ACDC because it's like, you know, ACDC. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what else to say about it. There's, you know, memes with, you know, what is that? The little kids there's to say A B C D in the A C D C writing. Yes. And, yeah. Oh, if I had a when kiddo, you're that level, yeah. Oh, yeah. I would totally Legit. totally. Yes. What was the toss up have- between this or Led Zeppelin? So I was like, eh. Both are good. Both are good. I'll go down with both of those. I like it. Oh, we need to hang out. This is gonna be fun times. Yes. Yes. Sure. We'd have a very good time. Well, we are done. So thank you. Okay. So, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. This was a lot, yeah, lot of fun. Yeah, thank you for having me. Absolutely. I appreciate it. I'm glad you're doing this to inspire people. It's good stuff. Yeah, thank you. And we're uh, I'm working on a little secret with the podcast. And uh, my hope is that we can make it even bigger. Um, I won't say how. I'll probably tell you yeah. when, we, when we get off. But uh, Okay. Yeah, so thank you so much for being here. Absolute blessing. You're welcome. I want big success for you. It'd be fun. Fun It'd to be, watch you flat. Be awesome. Thank you. And yeah, guys, thank oh, you. yeah. And guys, oh, I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I have. I have the biggest, like, excuse my French, like the shit eating grin face because this is just, it's a special moment, not just for the podcast, but our mission. Because if there's any story that could, we, we could potentially capture that shows like, somebody going through some serious stuff to overcoming it. Taya, you're, you're one of our biggest guests and, oh, thank and, and one of the biggest stories that we've been able to share. And, um, every story that we've had has been amazing. And this one's just as good. So thank you. Thank you. Thank All right. you. I appreciate it. Absolutely. All right, guys, we're done. Make sure to subscribe and follow. Peace out.